Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places close to our home. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Places Where We Go, where today we're continuing our travels in Poland. Last time we were with you, we were in the city of Szczecin. Today we're going to Gdansk, and this will be one of two episodes Today, on this episode, we're going to talk about things to do in the city of Gdansk, really focusing on the city center. And when we get together next time, we'll talk about things to do nearby Gdansk, things that you may have to take a train for, but are easily accessible if you're staying in the city. So Gdansk is one of the most beautiful cities in Poland. It's located on the Baltic Sea. And it's the historic city that was the flashpoint of World War II and the birthplace of the Solidarity Labor Movement in 1980, which preceded the fall of communist domination in Eastern Europe. Some may know the city by its German name, Danzig, which I think is also a name of a heavy metal band or a rock band, I think. And... Okay. (laughs) The German name comes from the days when the area was part of Germany. Gdansk is historic, colorful, extremely clean, and it holds many secrets in its symbols. Along with nearby Gdynia and Sopot, Gdansk is part of what's known as the famous Tri-City area, which offers something for everyone. We visited a number of towns in the nearly month-long visit we had to Poland, and for me, Julie, if I was to choose one city in the country where I was going to buy a summer place, it would be Gdansk hands down. You said that when you were there. I remember that very clearly. I want to buy a little condo there. Okay. Okay. Go for it. Yes. So we had to get there first. So we ended up traveling by train from Szczecin, which was about a four and a half hour ride. We didn't have a car when we visited Poland. So everything that we did was by public transport. We spent four days in the city and Mm -hmm. ultimately we'll take you through 10 highlights, more or less, of things that we did while we stayed in this beautiful city. And again, today we're concentrating on things to do in the city, so we're going to start with our first five on this episode. It seems like four days would be a long time to be in one city, but because there's so much to do in Gdansk itself, then you've got the outlying things that you can do with a quick train ride. It really flies by really quick. Yeah. I, I think you could spend more than four days there. Absolutely. I mean, even with the four days, there's things that we could have seen that I would have liked to see. We just ran out of time. Yeah. So let's start with the first highlight, which is Gdansk Old Town. It's the first place that most tourists probably gravitate to. It is the most historical and popular part of the city. Gdansk's Old Town is reconstructed to its former... Hanseatic League glory after being leveled like so many cities in Poland were after World War II or during World War II. The Royal Way looks like a storybook scene that you imagine in a beautiful European city. The buildings are so colorful. 
the promenade is bustling with life and people and it begins at the Golden Gate and it proceeds along the Dwuga Street or Long Street in English. And then it makes its way onto Long Market, which we visited all those places. You'll see the majestic main town hall and the nearby Neptune Fountain, which is very popular. Many people want their pictures there. And it is one of the most recognizable symbols in that city. A famous story claims that the city inhabitants were so wealthy that they would throw golden coins into the fountain for luck. But over time, Neptune grew angry that this fountain was being cluttered, so he broke the coins and turned the fountain's water into vodka. And thus is the one legend of how the liquor Goldwasser was created. Just behind the Neptune fountain is Artus Court, which held an important role in Gdansk history. This is where the first Gdansk beer was served, masquerade balls took place, and royalty was received. We were so impressed with this area, and we spent quite a few days walking through these famous streets. Pretty much every day every we were day. walking we, through these streets. Absolutely. One of the things that we would recommend, and it's something that we did when we visited Gdansk, is to start to get familiar with the city by taking advantage of one of the walking tours that are available. You can learn about such tour options if you visit a site like TripAdvisor or from your hotel concierge if you're staying at a hotel in the city. We ended up with a free walking tour that was two and a half hours in length. Our tour guide was a man named Marcin. And we started between the Golden Gate and the Amber Museum. And this was the very first time that we ever did a walking tour like this. And we did it in Gdansk. I think it's something I scoped out before we ever got there. And then we would end up doing a few tours like this in other cities that we visited in in Poland because we found it such a great way to learn about the area that we were visiting. And there's a number of them that are available for free. Yes, for free. But these guides put a lot of effort and a lot of work into this. So I would highly suggest that you tip them. Tip your guide, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep. So such tours are definitely something to seek out when visiting new cities. On this particular tour, even though we spent two and a half hours on it, there wasn't really that much walking because there were so many stops along the route where our guide would stop the group, give us a historical perspective of the things that we were looking at, Marcin was excellent. He was a guy who really knew his history. And that's kind of what you usually get with these guides on these types of tours. And given the kind of history that we were seeing, a lot of war history, a lot of conflict, different countries that controlled the city. It was interesting because he never put blame on any particular group. He just tried to present the facts, which was a nice perspective to have. There's so much to uncover in the city regarding how the city was formed, how the various fortifications evolved and changed. And a walking tour is a great way to learn about things that you'll otherwise just walk past and not understand. Mm -hmm. He ended up also pointing out to us there was so much symbolism in the buildings that if you're just walking around, you probably will think that's a pretty piece of art or a pretty decoration. But so many of them meant something. And it's nice to be able to understand what the architects were trying to convey to the residents back in the day. And this is one of the ways that you can learn that. This was a very wealthy city. 
back in the day, Julie, as you mentioned, yeah. and former residents dressed the town in a lot of ornateness, which is still evident as you walk mm-hmm. your way down the streets here. One interesting thing that we saw, I think this was close to the end of our tour, and it's what's called the Old Crane by the River. It's one of the iconic sites in the city, and it was the largest port crane in all of Europe during the Middle Ages. Men would walk or run to activate two huge wooden wheels, and they would kind of like run on this thing like a hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. And the wheels were powered by the walking men to turn the crane's lifting mechanism. And the crane would be able to lift objects that weighed up to two tons, as well as also being used to raise and lower masts on sailing vessels in the nearby river. Today, it's part of an interesting museum. However, at the time of this podcast, the crane is temporarily closed for renovations. But hopefully, when you visit Gdansk, because it should be a city that you visit, I think you'd love it. Hopefully the crane will be open for visitation. Mm -hmm. We did end the walking tour in front of the Polish post office, the site of an initial World War II battle. 14 Polish people would ultimately lose their lives here in the attempts to defend that area. It's four kilometers away from Westerplatte, where the first shots of World War II fired. It was incredible. Near the post office, there is an impressive monument that commemorates the events there, and it's called the Defenders of the Polish Post Office Monument. This impressive monument shows a fallen Polish soldier who was overseen by an angelic figure and a flock of birds. The monument is made of unpainted metal and stands there to help visitors remember the important engagement of one of the most significant events in world history. That part of the tour was extremely moving for me because some of the symbolism was imprints in cement of people's hands up against the wall. And alongside that were pictures of some of the captured Polish people that were ultimately killed. And it was incredible to sit there and, and, and watch and look at these hands. And you can actually put your hand directly on it. And those type of things, those moments are powerful and yep. incredible. So that, that was, you know, something for me that was very moving. And, and of course, there are some of the um, bullet holes and marks on the building that are still there and on the walls. Yeah, it's like one of those things you read about World War II, you watch movies about it. When you're at a place like this where the events started and you're touching the wall where people were executed, where they were killed, their hands on that same wall, it makes it come to life in a Mm -hmm. mysterious way. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, as you said, I was really, really glad we did that and glad that we took advantage of that and then moving on in other places in Poland, also knowing that um, these things were available was a big perk for uh, some of our uh, adventuring. So we were able to get acclimated to the streets through the walking tour, but we also did so much walking on our own. We're going to call out some of the most famous streets of Gdansk, some of the places that you'll want to visit when you visit the city. Again, a formal walking tour is a great way to get started. But some of the essential streets you want to make sure you visit include 
Long Street or Dwuga Street, which you mentioned, Julie. Mm -hmm. So from the Golden Gate, this street was once part of the Royal Route, showcases colorful homes, Gothic moldings, and original porticos. The east part of the street has the town hall, and you see this Dutch-style architecture here that give you a sense. It's almost like walking in Poland's version of Amsterdam. It's a very unique type of building there. So many colors. And uh, even just walking around and looking at the buildings was uh, yeah, a nice way to, to yeah. stroll through the city. There is also the Long Market or the Dwugi Targ Square. As we know, there are many, many major cities in Europe, uh, Poland included, that are just known for their market squares. But Gdansk is a bit different in that it has this long market, a long, long street. And this market is wide open. It's a pedestrian street and it's lined with shops and restaurants. It's been there since the 13th century. Amazing, absolutely amazing. Today, it's a bit of a touristy area. It's got lots of amber stalls and restaurants, but the highlights include the period architecture up and down the street. In this area, you can see the decorative Artus House, the Fountain of Neptune that we mentioned, and the exceptional Fahrenheit scale, and just much, much more. Just Fahrenheit. they're so yeah. full. Fahrenheit. Hey, Julie, how hot is it today? Too hot. How hot? It was a hundred and two or something? I 102. 102 Fahrenheit. Yes. Do you know what or who Fahrenheit is named after? Daniel Fahrenheit. Daniel course. Fahrenheit it is. And on a corner on Dwoogie Targ, you can find the Fahrenheit Monument. Daniel Fahrenheit was born in 1686 in Gdansk, and he created the first universal temperature scale. He's honored in the city with an antique thermometer at the Fahrenheit Monument. It's right there on the street. Although to me, it's somewhat interesting that the Poles later would adopt the Celsius scale, though uh, mm -hmm. several countries, including ours in the United States, we still use the scale that was invented by Daniel Fahrenheit. And our mercury in the thermometer as we're recording this podcast is uh, <laughs> going to the top of that scale. Another area is the Dvor Artusa, and this is in the Long Market area, or it is also the Artus Court. It is the merchant court dedicated to the fictitious King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. It is a meeting place during the late medieval era where wealthy merchants would have drinks and chat, enjoy performances, and where it was forbidden to conduct business dealings. Inside the large hall is a 35-foot-tall Renaissance-tiled stove that has over 500 tiles, each one decorated with figures of kings and mythical characters. Today, the court is a department of the Gdansk History Museum. Nearby, you also will want to take a walk down Mariatska Street, also known as St. Mary's Street in English. This is a cobblestone street that runs from St. Mary's Basilica to the Motwava River. And after World War II, the street was reconstructed using salvage debris from nearby areas. You'll see quite a bit of detailed work in the architecture here from there's ornate gargoyle rain gutters on the buildings. You'll see detailed railings and stone terraces which line the street. 
when I mentioned that the street was reconstructed from that salvage debris, what turned out is in, in other parts, I think in the nearby area after World War II, a lot of the reconstruction was done by bringing in materials from other places. But here on Mariatska Street, they used the salvage debris that was in this vicinity. So it's a little unique from that perspective. And then you have the Matwava River embankment. And I think that's actually where we started our visit of the city. It's a great place to have dinner. It's this river walk area. You get amazing views of the river. There are ships that sail up and down the river. We the saw some pretty amazing. Amazing. Yeah. We saw amazing historical ships. And again, we, you know, we had one night restaurant right on the river there. And I just remember it's probably not something that everybody likes, but I have come to become very fond of herring. And I loved it there. Yeah. I, a lot of times when you buy herring here, I'm not as thrilled with it. But there, it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, I think what we get in the States, I would call it more of a plain Jane type of herring. There, there were so many different preparations of it. And we would sometimes sit down at a meal, get an appetizer of herring, and there would be three or four different styles of it. And just, oh, it was so great. It's great. Yeah. So all of these places are great areas for taking a stroll. We're going to continue with a few more things to do in the city of Gdansk. But first, if you're thinking about taking a trip to Gdansk, you can start your planning with some related reading. We have links to books in the show notes that can help you plan your trip to the city. So do check those out. And when you order through our links, it's a way to support our show without any additional cost to you. All right, so let's move on to another incredible area that we visited. And that was the European Solidarity Center and the Gdansk Shipyard. This is absolutely phenomenal museum. It, it was one of the best things that I think we did there. And I think it's one of the best things that you can do in Gdansk. Yeah, I was so impressed with it this museum. It was amazing. Yeah. It was absolutely amazing. Getting there was just a 10-minute walk from our hotel. And as we were getting closer, the sky opened up and the rain poured down. Oh, it was like sheets of water just coming on top of us but that's not going to stop us of course and we finally got to the museum and we went inside and we bought our tickets on site right there and you get a set of headsets with your choice of language mm -hmm. so ours was obviously english there are about seven rooms here with exhibits that take you through different parts of poland's solidarity movement and that whole story that goes along with that this really is one of the all-time best developed museums that we've ever visited. They do a fantastic job of incorporating multimedia. The story of the movement was well-structured, easy to understand, it was easy to follow, and you learned about the struggle that led to that famous strike in Poland and the movement's organization and the volume of people involved and how the movement spread to outside of the area into multiple cities. Yeah. And then we've been to so many other museums, so many museums to compare to. I've never seen one at the time of this visit that, as you said, you know, was, was just so fantastically put together. So if you like museums, this is among the cream of the crop, in my view. The other thing I'll mention is kind of a unique memory that I have relative to the whole solidarity thing. So when I was a teenager, my family visited Poland in the summer of 1980. You know, at the time it was the communist regime Poland, which is a whole other thing that we could talk about. But 
you know, people were living their lives. It was kind of, you know, business as usual for the time. And then I remember just a few months after we came back home, seeing on the news, things just escalate where this whole shipyard went on strike to the degree that, I mean, it's not the kind of strike that we have here in the United States where, you know, people are in front of places with picket signs. This whole thing was shut down. People planted themselves there. There was 17,000 workers who risked their lives to make this stand. And amidst tanks and military, the electrician Lech Voenza led negotiations with the government where in the end the workers won and he founded that solidarity movement. And in this country that fought so hard against communism, just a few years later in 1989, they would hold free parliamentary elections, and he would become Poland's first elected president in the post-communist period. Mm -hmm. So this museum is the story of that Polish solidarity movement and the response of the people in the time where the food was scarce, where people were in constant fear for their lives. We even heard stories from your aunt when we both visited there not too long ago of times where she would be out grocery shopping or she would just uh, be doing her business and hear gunshots Mm -hmm. throughout the city where she lived. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it was a very, very scary moment for the Polish people. And you see very different perspectives from most people's normal, everyday, perhaps even comfortable lives. It's the story of Polish people's aspirations for freedom and their battle to break free of the communist regime. The role of the Catholic Church is highlighted as Pope John Paul II played a very prominent role. The videos throughout the exhibit are are extremely powerful, and the immersive exhibits help you feel what happened. I mean, you literally have a sense through the media that they use, all types of media, Mm -hmm. and through all the visuals that they use of, of what it possibly felt like then. It, yep. it was it was absolutely amazing. The European Solidarity Center is one of the highlights uh, from our trip to Poland, and it is a testament to the victory that changed the history of Poland and the world. We spent just under three hours at the museum. Outside, the Gdansk shipyard grounds have a history going back to its founding in 1945, Over decades, the shipyard produced over 1,000 sea vessels as well as trains. In the square outside stands a solemn 42-meter-high monument to the fallen shipyard workers of 1970. Quite an impactful place. Mm -hmm. The fifth place we're going to share with you today is the Basilica of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary that's also in Gdansk. We went there one Sunday morning to attend Mass, also known as St. Mary's Church, And this church is a great example of brick Gothic architecture. It features these turquoise spires on the top. It has a prominent bell tower. And it's possible that you can climb to the top of the bell tower, which would give you amazing views of the city, particularly on a day when the weather is favorable. And as for the brick architecture, this is one of the top two to three, depending on uh, which source you go to, largest brick churches on earth. So if you're looking for the biggest examples of a certain something, you're going to find one of them in Gdansk. Now, one of the things I remember is when we walked in, we were struck with how white and how stark the church was inside. 
And we believe this is likely because during the city's German period, the church was taken into Protestant hands. And after the time of Martin Luther, where there would have been frescoes in the church, they were painted over. Mm -hmm. And to this day, you have kind of the white walls that remain there. Inside, you'll be drawn to a Gothic statue of the Madonna of Gdansk, a Pieta, and the remarkable altar of the coronation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And I do remember the reverb in this church was just amazing. Another feature that's interesting inside the church is the Gdansk astronomical clock. Mm -hmm. This was constructed in the 1400s, so way before the, the day of the Apple Watch and timekeeping devices we have today. This clock has complex dials where the mechanism shows time, date, moon phases, positions of the moon and the sun, and the calendar of the saints. It's built in such a way that Adam and Eve ring the bells at the top of every hour and at noon, and the clock shows a procession that includes Adam and Eve, as well as the three kings, the 12 apostles, and a figure of death. Standing 46 feet high, at the time it was designed, it was the largest clock ever built on Earth, and it's still believed to be the largest wooden astronomical clock. So again, there's you've got the one of the largest brick churches on Earth and the largest wooden clock. You could see them both in the same place. And how many people can fit inside St. Mary's Cathedral? 25,000. It's a big place. It's huge. There weren't that many when we, when we attended, no. but I suppose on a popular occasion... There will be thousands and thousands, especially in this very Catholic religious country. So that's our first five places that we're highlighting in Gdansk. We will have some very cool things in the nearby area when we get together next time. But let's also talk about when in Gdansk, where we stayed. As we said, we were four nights in Gdansk and we stayed at the Ibis Gdansk Stare Miasto Hotel which means Old Town Hotel, just FYI. Mm -hmm. It's a very nice hotel, has like a, a modern feel to it. It was very walkable to Old Town, the nearby museums, and the train station. Today, you can get a nice room here for under 50 U.S. dollars per night, which is amazing when you think about the prices yep. we're paying here. Yep. During our summer stay, we were closer to about 60 per night. Right across the street is a Svoisky Smok, a nice little place to eat and to sample drinks from an enormous vodka menu. Enormous. It, went, it, was, it seemed endless. Yeah, and I still remember. So we stopped there one evening after doing sightseeing and had some drinks and I remember one of the things that I had, and I think it was one of these, it was complimentary at the, at the end of when whatever drinks we, we purchased, the waiter gave me this, it was called a, a Slivovica. So this plum brandy, but the alcohol content of it, it was probably somewhere around 140 proof, mm -hmm. give or take. Absolutely amazing. And what was interesting is Shortly after we returned back to the States, I was able to find bottles of Slivovica here in this country that had, you know, fairly high alcohol content like that. And there's something about when it's that potent, the taste is just so powerful. 
and I think there are some laws that have changed because today you can only find about like 80 proof varieties yeah, of this right. anymore. Mm-hmm. And it just, um, it tastes like diluted. It's just not yeah. the same thing. Yeah. So we need to go back to Gdansk just so I can taste <laughs> okay. the real deal again. And while we're talking about drinks and cuisine and food and things like that, if you like beer and if you're in Gdansk, you'll want to visit Ulitsa Pivna, or in English, Beer Street. Back in the day, the water could kill you, but beer was safe. And Gdansk had a street that's still here today with brew houses. And we stopped there one night and enjoyed um, a very refreshing alt-style beer at one of the, uh, the brew pubs on the street. Food in the city is also a bargain. For example, during our visit in Gdansk, we saw, I remember seeing, there was a small cafe that we passed by that had a sign in the window advertising breakfast for one's water, which in our currency is about 21 cents. So that caught my eye and we stopped there for breakfast one day, but it turned out that you had to buy a regular coffee. And if you bought the regular coffee, then it cost almost nothing to add a breakfast item. So we got oatmeal there one day. And with the um, the oatmeal and the coffee, I, mean, I don't know, was it like two bucks of yeah. that or something? Mm-hmm. So there's lots to see and do and eat and drink in Gdansk. We're not done with our visit there yet. Again, we hope that you join us next time for our part two which will um, we'll still be in Gdansk, but we'll hop on a train to go west, to go east, and talk about some pretty cool places, things that you can do outside the city center. We hope you heard some things that can help you if you ever decide to visit Poland and the city of Gdansk. If you're not subscribing to us yet, if you could take a minute to subscribe to us in the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any favorite source of podcasts, and catch up on any of our future episodes. We'd really love if you would leave us a review also. That really helps us to know if we're doing uh, a good job at this. Yeah, so uh, take a minute and give us one of those. That'd be fantastic. You can also follow our adventures most weeks on our YouTube channel, also called The Places Where We Go, where most weeks we're posting a new video highlighting a new adventure, a place that we visited, and hopefully giving you more ideas of things that things that we've done and things that you can do. And with that, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with part two of Donsk, and hope you join us for that episode. Dovidzenia! If you have any comments or information to share with us about travel, you can write to us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram as The Places Where We Go. You can find us on Twitter as The Places Where One, the number one. And you can watch our travel adventures on YouTube, where our channel name is The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.